Uh, but I, I really am excited to dig into what we're about to talk to today. I'm hoping, let me just go ahead and tell you, that's why we're going to pray this way. I'm just hoping it really makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, that you grab hold of it and you go, man, this just brings it together. So uh, let's pray and we'll ask God to really open our minds, hearts, and to give us a, a, a mind to understand. Father, we praise you for your love, for the life you have for us to live, for what it means, Lord, to be energized by you, to be sustained by you, to be raised up by you. And God, I pray today that we would just be able to grab hold of these thoughts and, and, and embrace them in a way that would just be incredible. So help me now, God, to, to bring this out in a way that would really be meaningful to each person here, including myself, as we grab hold of truth that sets us free in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, when you walked in today, we had uh, some, some, something for you to see out there, the turkeys. Now, I know some of you thought, well, is that part of the food drive? Like, <laughs> I know you're in need. Here's a turkey. Just kill it. No, um, no, no. There's a reason it's out there. You ready? Uh, uh, today's message is called Turkeys and Eagles. And, and right away, I had people walk up to me going, man, those turkeys stink. Well, guess what? Turkeys stink. We're going to see that in a minute. I, uh, you should know we had to cage one of them because one of them decided to obliterate the other two and started tearing into it and ripping them apart. Turkeys fight. Turkeys fight. And, and, and you know what turkeys are really good at? They're good at being afraid. Oh, some of you are going good at Thanksgiving dinner. But no, uh, they're good at being afraid and they're, they're good at, 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 at literally focusing on the ground. Uh, uh, so when you think of a turkey, you've got to understand uh, that, that it's not the kind of existence that you want. When we think of another bird, uh, an eagle is what we're thinking of, but we're actually going to look at a hawk right now. Um, coming out with us right now is a, a special guest, Maddie, beautiful red-tailed hawk, and, and, and just majestic and gorgeous, and uh, uh, just uh, gorgeous. And look at the wingspan on her and what she can do. And I don't know about you, when you see a hawk like that, you go, man, that's just literally incredible. And, and the difference between a hawk and an eagle, or an eagle and a hawk and a turkey, is, is Maddie's not afraid. Uh, Maddie's not going to have fear. Maddie's going to be able to soar. And, and other things are going to be afraid of her. And, and there's something majestic about her. And something majestic about what she accomplishes. And when you kind of see her in action, it's just pretty cool. So there you go. See, there's something about that. I mean, when have you been in a church before you got to see a hawk fly around? <laughs> All of you in that section, when have you ever been bombed before? By... <laughs> we got Maddie for two reasons. One is I want you to see her fly. The other is we have a rat problem that's now been exterminated. Uh, no, no, um, and, and I appreciate the trainers who've come today to help us out. Here's where we're going, is God has created you to soar. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Actually, let's jump up to verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous, young men stumble badly. Now notice this verse 31. Yet, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up on, with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. 
We're living in a time in our country right now where people are more overburdened than ever. They're tired. They're worn out. Uh, uh, there are some of you today, you look at a huge mountain of problems in front of you and you're like, man, I didn't know I'd be facing this. And God says, you know what? I want you to live a life where if you wait upon me, you soar up above all that. Where you're energized, that the youth may faint, but you will not. You rise up on wings of eagles, you run and you won't faint. You walk and you're not weary. There's an energy to your life, a passion to your life, an excitement to your life that's just mind-boggling. And that's what God wants for you. And when we talk about level four living, you know, being up here at level four where we want everyone to be, this is the place where energy occurs. This is the place where passion happens. This is the place where you rise above. Now we've talked before that it's not about being perfect. It's about, oh, she really flew good. It's about being all out committed. It's about having something that takes you beyond anything else. That's what God's great desire is for you. Now, if you're brand new to this, here's where quickly where I want to go. Level one is where I'm asking questions. And a lot of people aren't even at level one, but they're saying, you know what? Is there really a God? Uh, uh, does he make a difference in my life? Uh, there's so many religions out there. Which one's right? You might even be someone saying, I actually believe the God of the Bible, I believe Jesus. What is it to this? But level one's where you're just kind of exploring. Level two is where you, you finally reach what we call conversion. You actually throw yourself into the hands of God and, and, and he takes you and he begins to, to change you and convert you. And, and this dramatic transformation starts taking place. In level three, you start connecting with God in deep and very intimate ways. And then level four is this kind of living where you say these words... Not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I want to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. God, I, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to be yours completely. And we've talked about the fact when you're up here, it's about being, not doing. It's about being a follower of Christ. Being in an intimate relationship with him. Being obedient to him as a part of it. Being in this lifestyle. But when you're up here, you're flying on wings of eagles. You're rising up. Now, here's the thing that we need you to have you grab. We've been teaching on this since January. If you got it, then you realize that when you're up here, you're free, not burdened. When you're up here, you soar. You're not grounded. And, and, and this is the thing I need to try to bring it home with today before we go into some more practical aspects of level four living. When you got what we're trying to share with you, which is what Jesus wants you to know, you don't find yourself going, man, there's a lot to this Christian life. There's so much to do, so many things to obey. There's so much. If that's where you're at, you missed the point. You missed it completely. And, and, and there's a danger to that. See, there's a danger to rather than being an eagle, to enter the Christian realm and become the turkey. Now, now where am I going? Peter Lord, years ago, wrote a book called Turkeys and Eagles. I'm going to give you the synopsis of it. According to Peter Lord, there was this two little eaglets that were born in a nest. And, and try to follow along with me. And, and what happened is their parents at first were overjoyed with them and fed them. And they began to grow very quickly. It was a brother and sister little eaglets. And they're riding high. They're literally high, high, high up in the cliffs with this incredible view of the horizon. And the parents, one day, the, the male eagle comes back and says, oh, I've seen something you haven't seen before. There's this new thing out there. And the bummer is they leave the little eaglets and they soar off on their own and they don't come back. 
And after a few days, they're hungry. And after a few days, they're realizing mom and dad are not coming back. And, and they're wondering what to do because they're starting to starve to death. And they know they need help. And so the sister, she realizes we've got to do something or else we'll die. And so she looks over the edge of the nest and she says, let's just do it. We've seen mom and dad do it. They leaped, we'll leap. Uh, it's got to work. The brother thinks we might as well try. And they step up on the edge and they leap out and they start flapping their wings. But they're not mature enough yet to soar. And so they come literally going down. But they're flapping hard enough to slow themselves down. And then they hit some branches and tumble and they hit on the ground. They're not really stunned. They're just more surprised. And they look around and they wonder about this new place that they've never been before, the forest. And they look and they can see high, high, high up is the nest and the cliff. They see no way to get back to it. And then they start wondering, what are we going to do for food? And then they hear a sound. It's the sound of a, a group of turkeys coming their way. And what happens is the two little eaglets step out to greet the turkeys. And these huge turkeys see these two little eaglets and they freak out. And they run because turkeys are filled with fear. Anything new makes them afraid. Anything different makes them afraid. Anything free makes them afraid. There's all these things to be afraid of. And so they're running all over the place. And, and finally they hide. And then the two little eaglets make their way in and look at them. And one of the turkeys looks down and says, what are you? And they said, we don't know. And he said, I'll tell you, I know what you are. You're vultures. You're dirty, gross vultures. You have the heart of a vulture. You, you have the wings that are going to be the wings of a vulture. But I want to tell you something. If you come with us, we'll make sure you never, ever allow the vulture nature inside you to take over. And they thought, we don't want to be vultures. That just sounds horrible. And so they go with the turkeys. And they begin to eat acorns off the ground. And they're so hungry at first, it's like, oh, these are good. But after a few days, it's like, oh, acorns again. And they just feel like there ought to be something more, something different. And they find themselves being taught to scratch. And then one day, one of the turkeys pulls them aside and he says, you have a huge problem. And, and the brothers, what is it? And he says, your problem is you're not afraid. And he goes, I don't know what I'm supposed to be afraid of. They go, oh, there's lots of things to be afraid of. Uh, there's got to be the fear that you might meet other turkeys that don't understand the true way of life because we're the turkeys that eat acorns off the ground but you got to be careful of the turkeys that eat berries off the bush because they're defiled, corrupt and vulture natures inside them and you've really got to be aware of the turkeys that intermix with the turkeys and don't see a problem with intermixing with turkeys and berries and the other group and then you need to be afraid of turkeys that fight each other and, and then you've got to watch out for this you've got to watch out for the different different animals that are in the forest because the, and, the, and the little brother's thinking I just don't find it easy to be afraid and they said well we got to teach you fear you've got to be afraid and most of all you need to be afraid of the, 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 the horrible vulture nature inside you and he thought okay if I'm going to fit in I guess I better try that the bummer is his sister picks it up pretty quickly but he keeps thinking this just doesn't feel right I, I love to look at the sky. And they're like, no, don't look at the sky. Look at the ground. You need to stay grounded. But something draws him to the heavens. And he keeps looking and watching. He keeps thinking there's something better to eat than acorns. And, and then he notices they have all these other rules. You can scratch three times and take a bite, but you can't scratch two times and take a bite because that would be a defiling kind of thing. He doesn't understand why, but he knows he needs to do it. And after a while, he walks around thinking, Nothing tastes good. 
Nothing feels good. I always thought life would be more exciting. There's something inside me that wants to just be free of all this. And one day he's standing in the midst of the meadow and his wings spread out and the air catches it and he starts to rise up and all, all of the turkeys scream, no, no, you're becoming a vulture. But he doesn't feel like a vulture. And as he goes higher and higher and higher, he begins to soar like he can't imagine. And he realizes this is what he was made for. Now you might say, Chuck, what are you doing? This is the worst Sunday ever. Time change Sunday. Did you just get up at the wrong hour? I don't get it. Well, let me, let me talk with you. Actually, some of you already probably got it. Do you realize there's a lot of people who think that your holiness is based on your obeying rules? Have you ever noticed that? And they've got a whole list of rules for you. Christians don't do this. Christians don't do that. And if you're, go do that. Oh, I'm so afraid because, you know, who knows what that will lead to and draw you into. And by the way, let me say this. Of course, there are some things we shouldn't do. I mean, we don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. We, we don't want to get involved in things that will hurt us. But, but I want to catch you this. You see, the problem we have when we're down here looking at the ground, being all worried about ourselves, is we find ourselves more burdened and more burdened and more burdened and there are some of you who walk around going, now that I'm a Christian, i got to admit, I'm pretty tired. I mean, you guys expect a lot. And, and, and you're not being energized. You're not finding joy. But when you're up here, what happens? There's energy and there's passion. And by the way, you don't look at all the things you can't do. What do you look at here? You're looking at Jesus and spending life with him. And you're just enjoying what he has for you to do. Now, are there some commandments to obey? You bet. But they're not a burden. And, and, and the turkeys always want to say to you, oh, no, 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 don't you dare go fellowship with that group of, of Christians because they don't believe like we believe. We need to only stay with the people that believe what we believe because if you get over there, you might start believing what they believe. And, and oh, then you, you'd lose everything. And, and I don't, and, and, and by the way, I, I have this happen all the time. You know, and, and you need to understand, and you need to be careful of that person, and this person, and that person, and, and this, and that thought, and this thought, and oh my. And, and you walk around going, what? And, 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 and you start asking, is this really what it's all about? Let me show you how so much more it's not. Uh, we're going to come back to Isaiah 40, but look over at Colossians chapter 2 and look at this with me. Colossians chapter 2. And let's start in... Um, uh, verse 16, this is a good place. We're going to read a lot, but, but in, you'll enjoy it. I, if you really read it and get it, you'll enjoy it. Verse 16, therefore, because Jesus has disarmed the principalities and powers. Are you ready? Therefore, because Jesus is so incredibly powerful, the demons flee from him. Therefore, because nothing is more powerful than the Jesus you get to fellowship and share life with. Therefore, because you know his love. Ready? Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to a food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Things which are a mere shadow of what's to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement. In other words, having all these rules to tie you in and things that you have to give up all the time. 
and the worship of angels and taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. And here's the key. And not holding fast to the head with whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and the ligaments grows with the growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why is if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, and do not touch? Paul's going, well, why would you even do that? Well, the reason is, is because, Paul, if we don't teach those, they'll actually go out and do some of them. And they'll, I mean, what could happen to it? Do you see the fear factor there? And he says, what are you afraid of? If you know Jesus, what are you afraid of? If you're following Jesus, what are you afraid of? And he says, why would you even get caught up into those kind of things? You got Christ. You're set free. And notice what it goes on to say. It says, which all refer to things destined to perish with its use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are no value against fleshly indulgence. They, they don't work in the end. As a matter of fact, what they do do is they wear people down and they burden people and they keep them from being close to God and, and experiencing things. They, they keep us from the, the incredible potential of what it means to live with Christ. You, you see, here's where I want you to grab this, is when you're at level four, you're to soar. When you're at level four, you rise above. When you're at level four, you don't need to be hemmed in by these things. You see, if we could all just truly understand something, are you ready? If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And let me say that again. If you walk in the spirit, this is not my words, this is the Bible, you will not fulfill the lust. It's a literal impossibility to sin. So I don't have to worry about giving you a list of all sorts of things to do. All I gotta say is, hold fast to Jesus, walk in the spirit, you're going to be fine. And, and how do I do that? And how do you do that? Because we say to the Lord, Lord, here we are. Take me. And, and whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. And, and I love doing this with you, Lord. I love being with you this way. I love living with you this way. And, but, but the turkey eyes thing goes, oh no. You got to be careful of this and that and this and that. And we're like, no. Certainly there's some things to stay away. But the truth of the matter is just walk with the Lord. Be with him. Here's what I'm going to say before we dig in. You ready? God can keep you from sin. God did not set up a system of holiness, set up a lifestyle being with him of sanctification, and step back and go, but no one's going to be able to do it. Now, you ready for that? God actually has the ability to pull it off. And it really is the idea of focusing on God, not on you or me. God actually has the ability to give you victory. God actually has the ability to let you soar. God can pull this off. And it's all about him. And that's what I want you to dig into. If you have your bulletins and you have that handout in it, we're going to do a quick test together. We may not get through all of it, but I'm hoping this will spark some fun discussion. And as you turn to it, let's start digging in with question number one. Because this is really important, understanding do you have a turkey mentality or an eagle mentality? And so let's start with question one. And the question is this, are you a sinner saved by grace? Are you a sinner saved by grace? Now don't answer out loud, but, but let me go ahead and tell you. Uh, uh, the answer is false, you are not. Now that, that's if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, you're not a sinner saved by grace. 
You were a sinner saved by grace, but that's not how you are anymore. When you come to Christ, it says you're a new creation. Behold, all of the old is passed away. So you know what? In God's eyes, he doesn't go, oh, well, you know, sinner saved. No, he says, no, now you're different. When, when you're over here before you make this conversion experience step, before you make this connection step, well, yeah, you're in sin and you need the grace of God. But, but when you convert, you're changed. He kills off the old you. That one doesn't exist anymore. They're dead and gone. And in God's eyes, he doesn't see you that way. But too often we walk around going, yeah, you know, sinner saved by grace. Boy, am I fortunate to make it. Man, when I get to heaven, you know, I'm going to be walking in going, oh, can I slip by God before he sees me? And then he goes, oh, Chuck, oh, you barely made it. Oh, boy, that skin of your teeth, man. Flames of hell, we're getting around you. Is that what God's doing up in heaven? No, 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 no. Well, let's kind of talk about the truth. What's the truth on this? Well, first of all, you're a saint. I don't know if you like that, but you're a saint. And, and, you know, 56 times the New Testament refers to anybody who's a disciple of Christ as a saint. That word saint means to be set apart. It means to be holy. It means to be reserved for God. Romans 1 verse 7, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. That's who you are. And so, you know what the reality is, is we get this idea that there are a few saints up here. The truth is, everybody right there, they're saints in the eyes of God. And he sees you as a saint. And you need to understand that. That's God's view of you. Second of all, you ready? This is my favorite one. You're a child of God. That's how God sees you. In 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God. Not someday you'll be. The minute you enter that relationship, the minute he adopts you, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for he, she, he'll, she, we shall see him as he is. Don't, don't miss this. I hope I say this right. You ready? When we're in heaven and you look up at God, he's not going to go, oh, you barely made it. You know what God's going to say? Please, please don't miss this. He's going to say, you're here. I have been waiting for you. I've been waiting for this moment. I can't wait to put my arms around you. In Zephaniah, he says, I can't wait to sing over you. See, I think too often we act like we're going to go into heaven and he's going to, oh. But no, he's going to go, Come. It says he's going to grab you and hold you so close. He's going to give you a name that no one knows but you and him. It's going to be that intimate and personal. He can't wait to get his hands on you and to hug on you and to love you. God's not going to go, you made it. God's going to go, you're here. I wanted this. I crave this. Eternities for this. That's how I look at you. He couldn't want to be with you more. Even now, he couldn't want to spend time with you more. It's the joy of his heart to be with you, his child. And that's how he looks at you and loves you. And, and we need to see ourselves that way. He also sees you not only as a child, not only as a saint. You ready for this? He sees you as more than a conqueror. Uh, you ready? Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Later on, I'd love for you to go back and read 35 and 36. In tribulation and being put in prison and being persecuted. But yet in all these things, you're more than a conqueror. You're not someone beaten down. You're someone to rise up. Don't, don't miss this. That, that means in economic times where there's a mountain of problems in front of you, as a believer in God, you stand there and go, man, that's a mountain of problems. You know what that means? It's going to be a mountain of miracles coming. Yeah. Isn't that right? Isn't that how we lose things? And, and you, you know, you say, man, that's a huge issue. That means God's got to do a great work. 
You think God can't handle it? You think God went, whoa, man, that United States economy, we better get someone to help because I can't handle it. Get Obama. You know, you think that's what God did? No, seriously, I mean, think about this. Now, now here's where I want to go. Don't miss this. I, I really mean this. These are not words to be heard. This is truth to be lived. This really is truth to be lived. And some of you might go, oh, Chuck, you have it easy, and I won't get into my own life. I, I, no, I know this to be true through experience. Man, I've had tough times too. I may have some more coming. But all that means is more miracles and rising higher and more energized and not beaten down. In the book of Zechariah chapter 4, I love it. Because there's a guy named Zerubbabel. And there literally is a mountain of problems. And God looks at it and says to Zerubbabel, he goes, Zerubbabel, what is this mountain before you? And he goes, I'm going to make it a plane. Notice not you're going to make it a plane. I'm going to make it a plane. And you're going to stand on the top, top of all those things that I have knocked down. And you're going to scream this word, grace, 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 grace to it. And don't miss it. By the grace of God, I've been energized. By the grace of God, I had joy through it. By the grace of God, I have the victory. By the grace of God, I stand on top of it. And some of you go, but I don't deserve it. And he goes, yeah, but by the grace of God, I got it. You see, this really is what God has for you. This is what God's desire is for you. When we talk about getting up here, it's not like, okay, if I'm up here, then you know what? Man, I've got all these things I got to know. It's like I get to experience this with Jesus. God is faithful. God is true. God is powerful. And, and you know what? I, I got to say we might have a little bit of disagreement with Robert Schuler, but I love what he says. When you stand in front of a mountain that's a problem, he says as a victor in Christ, you're either going to climb to the top and look out on the horizon and enjoy the view, or you're going to go around it and you're going to get to the other side and be amazed at what happens on the journey, or you're going to tunnel through and strike gold and be rich when you come out the other side. It's one of the three. And, and you know what? That's really true. Now, here's the point. I'm not saying you're not going to have problems. I'm just saying the problems aren't going to have you. Because the truth of the matter is, you've got Christ, and he has you, and he can get you through it. And we need to understand that's what we're made for. We're made to be victors. We're made to be a child of God. And how about this? Ephesians 1, verse 6, you're made to be accepted. Accepted. It says, to the praise of his glory by his grace, by which he has made us accepted and beloved. That grace of God means you're accepted by him. He loves you. He cares about you. He's accepted you. He, he wants you. And when we understand that, it transfers, transforms everything. And we don't go from this idea of walking around going, man, yeah, I better fight doing stuff to get right and so filled with sin and I'm a sinner. No, you go, man, I'm a child of God and I can't wait to be with my dad. That's the attitude God wants you to have. Question number two, you can sin and not know it. Well, let me throw this. This is probably a little more complex. Generally, the answer is false. You can't sin and not know it if you're a follower of Christ. Matter of fact, I'd say almost for sure you can't. Now, there really is a, there's an offering in the Old Testament for the sin done in ignorance or an ignorance to sin. So let me say it this way. The more likelihood, if you're going to sin and not know it, it won't be a sin of commission. It'll be a sin of omission. Uh, you'll go, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that. And, and, and I would say most sins of omission, if you're following Christ, that wasn't the time for you to do it anyway, so it wasn't really a sin. But, but is it possible? Yeah, kind of. But, but, but that's not the real focus. So when you understand the general overarching truth, the answer is no, you can't sin and not know it. And, and where do we get that from? Well, we get it because if you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict you of sin. By the way, the Holy Spirit always does his job. 
Uh, you know, we may mess up. He's not going to mess up. John 16 verse 8 says, And when he has come, the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He'll convict. In other words, God's not going to just let you sin. God's going to say no. He's going to whisper in your ear. He's going to churn in your stomach. The Bible says in Jeremiah, he might put a stumbling block that you stumble over. He, he doesn't want you to sin. And he's really, really good at, at keeping you from that. That's what I want you to grab hold of. And we'll see that more in a minute. But see, Galatians 5.16 is the verse that says, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're walking in the Spirit, you ready for this? You can't sin. If you're walking in the Spirit, you can't sin. Now, to sin, we have to either quench or grieve the Spirit. And we've studied on that before. Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. But in other words, for a believer, a follower, a disciple of Christ to sin, we've got to intentionally say no to the Holy Spirit, quench the Spirit's moving, and then commit the sin. And, and, and you know, and, and we need to understand that. So, so you really, it, can you sin and not know it? Well, it doesn't make a lot of sense to think of that. The only way that happens, and this is what we were getting into last week, is if your conscience is seared. If your conscience is seared, if you decide, oh, I'm going to keep sinning, keep sinning, keep sinning, no matter how much the Spirit says no, eventually God will step back and go, okay, go ahead. You go, well, I don't feel bad about it. Well, then that's a bad place to be. You know, remember what we said, being up here doesn't mean you're perfect. As a matter of fact, being up here means when we do sin, we are so aware of it. We're so aware. We're just, we, we just can't miss it. And so the point is, is can you sin and not know? Well, very, very seldom would that happen. So much so that we could say that's not an option if you're walking in the Spirit of God. Question number three, you ready for this? It is normal for a Christian to sin every day. Uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, are you ready? No, it's not. That's false. It's normal for a Christian to live with Christ every day and not sin. You might say, whoa, I don't know about it. And some of you got to be struggling with that. I mean, I know it. But, but that's not really true. See, the, the truth of the matter is, the normal Christian life doesn't commit sin. And, and, and notice that God says, I, want, I, I have the ability to give you a way out of temptation. First. Uh, Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. So everybody has temptation. That's not sin. Temptation is not sin. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape so you may be able to bear it. Now, now here's where we're getting at. God is faithful. Did you see that word? God is faithful. The reason we're not saying, we're not saying, well, it's normal for a Christian not to sin because you're so good. We're saying it's normal for a Christian not to sin because he's so good. Do you see the difference? Not because I have the power not to, it's because he has the power to help me out. And, and the key is that, believe it or not, God is good at this. Again, God didn't set up a system where he said, you know, to Frank Blossie, Frank, I want you to be a saint. I want you to be a conqueror. I want you to be sanctified. Now go do it, and you're not going to make it. You're going to fail. I'm going to sit in heaven and laugh as you try. <laughs> so funny. Look at those humans. <laughs> God doesn't do that. God's going, Frank, you can do it. Frank, I, I, I can get you through it. And you know what Frank says? God is faithful. Let me ask you a question. Would you be willing right now, just in your mind, to say, hey, God is faithful. God is faithful. If I'm tempted, he can get me out of it. 
God is faithful to not let it happen. God is faithful to give me the strength. God is faithful to give me the way out. That, that's the key to understanding this, is that we grab hold of it. By the way, you might say, is that really in Scripture besides here? Listen to Jude 24, Jude 1, 24. By the way, there's no Jude 2, 24. Jude 1, 24 says this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... By the way, I hear people all the time say, well, there's so many interpretations of Scripture. Let me ask you, do you think there is on this one? Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. You think that's pretty clear? He's able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep you from stumbling. In other words, God literally can keep you from sin. Now, now the turkey thinking says, that's not possible. Eagle thinking says, I'm just going to soar with God. I don't have to worry about it. And, 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 and God says when you do that, it energizes you, it frees you. Question number four. A bad thought is a sin. Uh, the answer to that is false. Uh, a bad thought may be a temptation, but temptation is not a sin. To dwell on it, to develop it, to go through it would be a sin. Even Jesus had temptation. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we were, yet without sin. So temptation isn't sin. Jesus was tempted, he didn't sin. A bad thought's not a sin. Well, let me give you an example. You're standing in a line and the person's really inept in efficiency and you're watching them and you're thinking, man, why can't they get their act together? I'm stuck here all day. I think they ought to be fired. I can't imagine, you know, and you're just thinking you want to give them a piece of your mind. And then you step up in line and look at them and say, are you having an okay day? And God goes, you did it. You did it. You fought off that thought. You know, you're driving down the road and a hum or two cuts you off all of a sudden. You're going, Pastor Chuck. You know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you're thinking, oh, he, and you go, you know what? No, I'm going to pray for him. God, please protect him. It doesn't matter how big that car is if he keeps driving like that. And, and we don't even have that life insurance policy out on him. Just keep him safe till September. And then, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and, and you just see the difference. You fought it off, you know. Uh, uh, your husband comes in and says that hurtful thing and you stand up and go, whoa, I know you better than that. And you throw your arms around him and put away all the thoughts of, of the hurt and say, I just know you didn't mean that. And, and you know what is, is you just start living different. Uh, and, and God says, you know what, you're going to have those moments. Men, you're going to have a moment, you look at a woman and, and you're going to have to decide not to keep gazing. You're going to have an initial thought, but that isn't sin. Listen to what Jesus said about this. He says this in Matthew 5, 28. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has committed adultery in his heart. You know, if you're a man and you see an attractive woman or girl and you look at them and you go, wow, they're, they're, they're cute or hot, that, that's not sin. But now you've got to decide to, to rechannel it. Women, you look at a handsome man and you go, whoa, that guy is handsome. Wow. You got to rechannel it. You know, rather than thinking lustfully, you look at him and say, God, you did an amazing job on him. <laughs> wow. Lord, incredible job. I just, praise the Lord for what he does. All things are. <laughs> now, by the way, would it be sin to do that? No, it's not sin to do that. You know, you don't walk out and go, oh, man, the mountains are gorgeous today. And God doesn't go, get away from my mountains. You know, he didn't. You just rechannel the thought. 
And, and you know what? Is, is that's what we do. We make sure it's spiritual. We make sure we keep going in the right place. So a bad thought is not a sin. Question number five. I, I, this is a good one. Is it easier for a Christian to sin than do righteousness? And the answer is, is it is easier for a Christian to do righteousness. It's false. It's not easier for them to sin. Uh, uh, but you know what? Here's where the important time comes. Get ready. Just lock in with me. Proverbs 23 verse 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you're walking around going, man, it's so easy to sin. I'm so filled with sin. I've committed so many sins. Well, you know what? You're already defeated. You know, or you walk around going, man, I'm more than a conqueror. Man, I'm going to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And praise God, God is faithful. You're not, you're going to be on the other side. Level four living is the free side. Level four living, you don't have to set up this rules of do not taste, do not touch, do not handle. You know what your rule is? Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love everybody else. Keep doing that. Read the word. Enjoy it. Say yes to Jesus every day. Just live life. That's what you do. Over here, you got to go, well, you know, I can't go to this place. Can't go to that. You know, and I'm not saying put yourself in temptation, but don't miss the point. The, the idea is to have your heart right. And if you walk around feeling defeated, you miss the whole point. If you walk around feeling less than, you miss the whole point. You see, that's the great desire of God that we understand that we really are his children. Uh, that we really do understand that keeping his commandments aren't a burden. That, that we understand that that's what he wants us to be. And, and, and you know what Jesus said? Listen to these words. Matthew chapter 11 verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Come and follow me. Be my disciple. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If we have been teaching you correctly about level four, which we're going to get into more later on. If we've been teaching that correctly, what you need to do is go, this is the life to live. Man, I feel free. You see, if, if I, all the things I've talked about, about being a disciple is one who loves God with all your heart. You love him more than self. You love him more than possessions. You, you continue in his word. You love the other believers in the body. You bear fruit. You know, we, we, that's what we've talked about. Then you ought to step back going, this, this feels good. It feels good to do this. Hey, and by the way, it ought to set you free. It really ought to set you free. Uh, and, and, and let me give you an example of that. If I walk into a house today and Pam says, you know, you're doing this level four sermon talking. I've got an expectation, Chuck. I've decided that if you're going to be a level four husband, you've got to kiss me passionately three times a day. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to go, oh, what a burden. I'll be going, hallelujah, praise God. This is the life to live, right? You see, see, this is the point. It really, and I'm serious about that. It's not a burden. Uh, you know what? When, when the idea of praising God, it's not a burden. The idea of giving to God is not a burden. Uh, the idea of giving to others isn't a burden. Uh, not too long ago, and I'm not trying to at all brag, um, but just I want you to catch, think about this with me. Pam and I had some fun set aside. Young married couple, she's pregnant. And man, life's tough right now for a lot of people, right? And I, I became aware of it. And the Holy Spirit tugged and said, you do something, Chuck. Don't even go to the church. You know, don't have them go to Lisa even. You, you, you handle this one. I want to ask you, how do you think it felt? Do you think I felt burdened or free when I took care of that couple's need? Free. Oh, without a, you don't think I went home and go, oh, man, I have to do that again. I'll, no, I'm like going, I can't wait to do it again. I know some of you are going, I'll talk to you, Chuck. But, you know. 
It, it, that's what it is. See, when we do this, we're set free. It, it's, it's love lived out. It's truth to be experienced. It's not words to be heard. This is God's great desire for you. And he wants you to soar. Those turkeys out there stink. Those turkeys out there stink and they fight and they get afraid and they're running around all the time. And, and, and I got a feeling there's not a lot of you going, man, I'd love to cuddle on that. And you know what? There's a lot of people who get in the church and they're like turkeys. And man, they're afraid of everything and they're always going to be falling and they're, they're running around and they're biting at each other. And you're going, what is going on? There's something so much more. Uh, um, the number six is the closer we get to Jesus, the less we'll be tempted. I think deep down you know that's not true. Uh, uh, the enemy wants to get you. But you know what? God has always promised to get you away and to set you free. Question number seven. We get close to Christ through acts of righteousness. That's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. Do we really? Do, do we really get close to Christ through that? Uh, I would say that that's another one of those yes and no's. Uh, truth of the matter is you can't get any closer to Jesus than you are if you're a believer because he's inside you. But let me tell you this. I do believe we can actualize that relationship of intimacy by obeying his commands. Not to be burdened with them. But in James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. In other words, the truth of the matter is, is as, as you say to him, here, here I am. I want to draw near to you. He's, not, he's going to take a step closer. Uh, I, it's your choice to do it. Jesus said, if you do love me, you'll obey my commandments. Not because they're a burden, but because it makes us closer. And so I do think it, it brings closeness. I think when I, when I felt the nudge of the Spirit, and I know I'm supposed to take care of my brother, I felt God's presence in a more amazing way. Uh, when I obey the Lord and spend time with him and get together and, and read his word and continue in his word, definitely I'm closer to him than I've ever been. Uh, uh, when, when I forgive my enemy, I'm closer than I've ever been. Uh, when they forgive me, wow, I, you talk about experiencing God. Man, man, it's, that, that's a time. By the way, I, I, have you ever had that moment where someone comes to you and they said, um, this isn't going to be easy. But um, what I did to hurt you, I, 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 I can't take it back. And um, I can't live with it. So I'm sorry. I know I'm sorry it doesn't seem like a lot. And I'm sitting in a situation and I look at him and say, you know, some people say it doesn't. Let me tell you something. Today it does. Today it does. It means a lot you'd say that. And, and I want to tell you, I mean this with all my heart. I not only forgive you now, I already forgave you. I have longed for this moment. I've longed to be with you like this. I've longed for the, and what do you, do you think you get closer to God in a moment like that? All of us who've experienced it, yeah. You just sense the Holy Spirit wrapping around that situation going, yeah, this is it. This is it. You're not afraid, Chuck, that you're going to get hurt again. You're just going to love. You're going to accept them. You're not going to make them prove it. I'm not trying to be insensitive, so I'm just going to an issue that happened with me. And, and I, again, I, and there's a danger here of trying to elevate me, and I don't want to do that. But I just want to be personal with this. 
So this man who's hurt me and I are sitting together and, and, and I'm not telling him, well, I'm going to wait and see if you changed. And I'm not telling him that, well, you know what? It's just words. I need to see action. I, I'm just looking at him and saying, this is what I wish more than ever would occur. And um, it's easy to forgive you because, number one, I love you. And number two, because God forgave me. And maybe that's reversed. But you know what you call that? Grace. You call it grace. Do you realize that God not only gives grace to you, he gives you an opportunity to give it to someone else. And when you live like that, man, you're free. You're just free. You see, the bottom line comes down, God wants you to be his child. God wants you close to him. God wants you living a life where you soar. If the economy's getting you down, again, I know it's tough times, but let me just tell you this. You can rise above it. If, if you've had some relational issues hit you hard, I want to tell you, I, I honestly know it's tough, but you can rise above it. Uh, uh, if you have made some failures and, and missteps in your life, you know what God is incredible at? Redeeming and cleansing completely. He's good at that. And you can rise above it. You can and are called and God couldn't want you more than you know to live this life that he has for you to live where you're not a turkey. You're an eagle. And, and how do we do it? Well, do you remember how the passage started? Those who wait on the Lord. Those who throw themselves into his arms. Those who say, I, I, I'm just going to trust you with this. He said, you'll rise up like wings of eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and you won't faint. I'll energize your life. I'll show you what it means to live and live deeply. And this truth will set you free. And you're not going to be grounded anymore. You're going to soar. And so today, if, if, you, if you've never experienced this kind of love from God, this very true intimate relationship, and you've been kind of exploring it, maybe that's why you're here, I'm going to encourage you to take the step into level two where God grabs you and begins conversion in you. And what does, how do you get here? Well, what you do is you pray a prayer. You say, I want this. I want this. And in a moment, I'm going to lead a prayer where you can whisper that prayer to God with me and, and say, I want this to occur. Uh, the two women you saw get baptized today just last week experienced that kind of touch by God. It's never too late. He wants you. There are some of you who had started moving this direction and for some reason you got pulled back down. And you, you might say, well, I know I'm not there. I'm not sure where I'm at. And, and maybe it was fear. Maybe it was disappointment. Maybe somehow faith didn't actualize in a situation for you. But you know what? I, I want, maybe you did something you shouldn't do. God loves you. And if you need to recommit yourself to him, then today we're going to ask you also to pray that prayer with us. Where, where God then could take you and, and cause you to soar again. Where you walk out of this building ready to live life, embracing joy, embracing love, embracing significance, and embracing an amazing relationship with a God who wants you to live life with him. And again, we'll just ask you to pray right where you're sitting. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we love the fact that you not only love us, but you've called us to live I mean to live life in an amazing way with a truth that sets us free.
with the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us, with minds that become transformed and renewed and not conformed to this world, with, with an ability, Lord, to live life in an intimate way with you because you, God, are faithful and you can keep us from stumbling. So I praise you and thank you, Lord, for the life we're called to. And I ask right now that your Holy Spirit would literally, truly move in this room. Father, for the, the families that are here today and, and the future is so uncertain, God, I pray that you're going to inspire within them and instill within them uh, an, a, an excitement and a, actually a passion to trust you no matter what comes, no matter what goes, but they're, they're going to know that you're with them through it. Father, I want to pray today for anybody here, a man or a woman, a guy or a girl, who need to give their life to you or who need to recommit to you. I ask for your Holy Spirit, Lord, literally to come in this room. Lord, would you move in a way that we sense you? And would you stir and touch each one of us, but especially the, the people who need to make commitments to you right now. May they sense somewhere deep inside that gentle whisper that lets them know they're loved, that this is their moment, this is their time. I'm going to ask that we keep praying, and right now I'm going to lead that prayer. So right now, if God's stirring and touching, let's just whisper this prayer. Say these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me, and I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say yes. I want this. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love. And fill me with your spirit. And help me be who you have always created me to be. And to live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, praise God for all of you who prayed that prayer. Praise the Lord. Man, praise the Lord.